0: A. M. You got Tim Unglesby and Ryan with you here in Las Vegas, as always, my partner in crime for over the past, uh, last 10 years, past decade, and more from TomBartonSports.com. Tom Barton, Tommy, we're going to try to do this uh, for everybody listening. It's been a rough month. We've had a lot of technical difficulties, but hopefully we can get this, uh, this show completed tonight, Tom, because we got lots to talk about. I would love
1: to. I feel like we haven't been talking to in about a month here, Tim. So we got to get into a lot has passed and we got a lot coming up. It's opening day week and nobody's talking about baseball. It's
0: crazy. Yeah. I really want to get into that later on in the show as we kind of look at the season preview for the major league baseball season. And, and you're right. You're right. Just off the top of my head, you know, I, I was talking to a couple of friends and I was like, you know, baseball starts Thursday and they're like, Oh, really? I didn't know that. And it just seems like isn't it always like that, that Every year it's just oh baseball's
1: here. Well, this year I think more than any, because at least if we had a normal start, you have a normal start and then you have the championship game or whatnot. But everyone this weekend is just focused on the championship game and and really what was the greatest college basketball game in history. Um mm-hmm. It it will overshadow a lot of stuff, you know, and it will overshadow a Thursday baseball game. I think by by Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, we'll all be hyped up again. But how can we sit back the last three, four days and concentrate on baseball being a week away when we just had, again, the greatest basketball
0: game in college basketball history? And really, Major League Baseball has nobody to blame but themselves, Tom. This isn't the original start date. We all know that we're... More than, more than almost than two weeks, weeks from the original start date. So uh, lack, of, lack, of, lack of, I'd say lack of attention, attention is, 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 their is their fault. Whether it's the and owners or the, the players, doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, you there's, know a there's a lot of greed involved of greed there. Involved and, there. And, and I guess the bottom, guess line, the bottom is, line is when we get into the baseball preview later on in the, show, the show, that's what, that's what we'll be talking about. But you're right. You know, it's been an interesting past few days. been a great tournament. And we're going to wrap that all up tomorrow night with the final game, final Kansas, Kansas and North Carolina. North Carolina and we're going to break Carolina, that down, break down, for down for you here in a, a second. I just like want, to, want to get with you, Tom. It's, like you said, it's like been, a, said, month it's been a month since we've been, been, been able to be on the air on successfully, successfully. Uh, crazy, uh, month, crazy but month, but a lot of good things going on in the, on the world of Tom Barton and Tom Barton
1: sports. Oh yes, absolutely. Well, we'll start off with Tom Barton You know, I am officially YouTube. We could officially start making money now. I'm getting massive amounts of comments. We, we actually spoke to the YouTube uh, people today. They said, you guys have really good engagement. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> um, and TomBartonSports.com is, is just coming off of an absolutely massive, massive college basketball season. I'm going to wind up overall hitting about 61% or so, 62% or so. I'm monitored in a couple of websites, one website monitored with, with over 5,000 handicappers. I will finish with the best percentage in college basketball. And it's been even better. You know, Elite Eight didn't lose a game. Final Four didn't lose a game. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we're doing at Tom Barton Sports. And overall, you know, SGN, Sports Garden Network, really, really making a lot of inroads. I was a guest on OutKick 360 um, this uh, this past week. I'm going to be back on OutKick tomorrow. So I'm doing a lot of stuff there. Uh, we had a huge show this morning. Andy Bagwell joined me. Uh, he was uh, he, the author of Duke Sucks the book. So, well, what what a fun interview that was! Lots of good stuff going on, Tim.
0: I always tell everybody my Saturday night routine is when I leave work at the, uh, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. On uh, here in Vegas, uh, and that that podcast is always loaded and ready to go. That's my that's my entertainment, Tommy. I love listening to, it, listening it, but to it, but more so. More so the YouTube has really drawn me in, and, and I'm saying this, um, not because you're my best friend, not because we're partners, but the content you bring it's, uh, makes you, you know—you're a likable person, Tom, and I think you you make it the interactions and the engagements, like you said, but your wife's on there, you had the kids on there this week. I mean, I think that really brings a lot to the table when you're you know, looking at content on, on YouTube. You're a very likable person, my friend. Well, thank
1: you. And and I'll tell you, I didn't bring my son on just because, you know, he's a good-looking kid. No, he's an eight-year-old that filled out a bracket, doesn't watch college basketball all that much or know that much about it. Tim, he had three of his final four teams available in the final four. Uh, (laughs) The only bad error, and this will tell you an eight-year-old, and by the way, I posted it on Twitter uh, before the tournament went off. I said, look at what my son picked. He had Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and he had Chattanooga. And this is how you could tell an eight-year-old um, I said, buddy, I don't know about Chattanooga, man. You know, I, you want to rethink that? And he said, I like Villanova. I like the name Villanova. He said, but Chattanooga's funnier. So we went with Chattanooga over Villanova, or he would have had all four of the four spots. And again, I posted this on Twitter. I said, guys, this is my son's bracket before the field of 64 went off. Um, uh, other than the Chattanooga thing, I had to bring him on because, man, he really he really nailed it, Tim. He did better than I did. than I well, you still have Kansas alive. I filled out two brackets. I told everybody all, uh, you know, out there when we did our stuff. I filled out two brackets. I had Kansas beating, um, uh, who did I have? Kansas beating, I think UCLA in one, mm-hmm. and I had Tennessee, you know, in the other one. So I can still get Kansas, but I'm so far gone that, you know, I, I can't win that bracket. You, my friend, live on the air, told everybody you had Kansas winning.
0: I didn't, I didn't really go out on really a limb there, Tom. You know, they're probably the best team in the country all year. and um, Who cares? You predicted it on the air. Yeah, you know, yeah. there,
1: there are, you know, I, I know that uh, Bet Bash is going on. Bet Bash 2 is going on. You know, all the handicappers or, or the like, I don't even know what they want to call them, bettors or, or whatnot. They're all in Vegas. And I can tell you, um, not many of them are sitting around uh, being able to predict live on the air before the tournament began, who Kansas won. So, no, you didn't go out on a limb. But it doesn't matter if you pick the winner. You pick the winner, Tim.
0: Thank you, sir. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes these are correct. Are correct. In this case, you know, we, so, both, uh, we, both, we both throughout the year throughout we both know this, is probably, this, is, probably this is probably the best. Will they be, Will there, they at, be there at, at just and the way the Worlds, world's, world's, world's and as we got world's first world's two, world's two rounds? rounds I thought they, they look really they good. They're going to be tough, and yeah, I think I think they're going to win. But we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But let's let's. Let's talk about the best game ever, though. I know you you have a history history of not not only uh, covering these schools, but living living literally on Tobacco Road and the the rivalry rivalry that is Duke and North North Carolina, Carolina, and and this this one had a little special secret sauce on top of it with the whole Krzyzewski retirement. A friend of mine, this kid has lived here in Las Vegas for his whole life. He's our age, and he asked me about the games and the I'm games. like I'm I like, like North Carolina like Kansas he's Kansas like oh you don't like Duke I go no I can't stand Duke he goes but it's the storybook story ending. ending I go I said Chris, Chris his name's Chris I said Chris, Chris. Chris. I, said, Chris, Chris. I don't think anybody don't out he here gives a rat's, you know, know rat. what about you a storybook story ending story in this, this case and it doesn't, it doesn't always work always out that way and it didn't and I was happy to see that because I'm not a fan of Coach K but let's talk about the game and let's talk about the legacy
1: Tim I think we did get a storybook ending just not what people Thought, um, you you know you look at it from the other side. You look at it from the baby blue, the the sky blue, whatever you want to call it, uh, of North Carolina. And isn't that the the storybook ending? In 100 games in Coach K's career, Duke was leading going into that game, 50 to 49. Okay, so it's now 50 to 50. The greatest game in the history of college basketball is what I called it, and I'm going to explain why. No, it wasn't the greatest competitive game. It didn't go into three overtimes or anything like that. No, it didn't even win a championship. But when you take the outside differences, the, all the things that went on, it's the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Many people will say the biggest rivalry in sports. I stop short of that, but biggest rivalry in college basketball. And North Carolina just won the rivalry, Tim. They won. It. They won the rivalry. If think about it like this: if North Carolina does nothing else tomorrow night and they lose they get their doors blown off okay tomorrow night this is still one of the top 10 greatest seasons. that's amazing if they win and I asked Andy Bagwell about this massive massive North Carolina enthusiast historian and everything else I said if North Carolina wins is this the greatest season in the history of North Carolina he said absolutely absolutely your rivals coach which a lot of people are considering the greatest coach in history You were able to take him out on his own court for his final game. And then the only time you've ever met in any NCAA tournament, in 100 times they met, they met 258 times, Tim, 100 times under Coach K, never in the NCAA tournament. It comes to the final four and you win a game that was tied with three minutes to go in the game. Uh, It was a one-point game with under two minutes to go. And you send Coach K into retirement all with your first-year head coach. And Tim, the visual to me was the biggest thing Hubert Davis is screaming on every single play going up and down. And, and by the way, Hubert Davis doesn't, co- doesn't curse. He doesn't use profanity. Okay. Um, so he was up and down right in the refs, every single play, every possession up and down, yelling at his team up and down, flipping out. All right. Coach K sitting on a stool, Tim. Now this isn't a slight to coach K. We know his age is age and, you know, everything else. What is he going on with health wise? what, near 80 years old. But isn't that just the perfect symmetry for what's happening? Isn't that the iconic symbol, that the changing of the guard? Although this has been a rivalry, I think every North Carolina fan can say the Duke did have a little bit of the upper hand. They had the, the better coach. Coach K was better than Roy Williams, and I like Roy Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. They had better teams. They won more championships. Um, head-to-head, mm-hmm. they had a game up. Okay, it's only a game up, but hey, a game up matters. And you look at this and you go, storybook ending here, Tim, is that North Carolina won the rivalry. Never before in sports history, never have we ever watched one rival rip the heart out of another rival. The only other comparison that I could come up with is when my New York Yankees lost to the Red Sox. But it wasn't the same because the Yankees weren't losing one of their iconic players of all time. The Yankees weren't losing one of their iconic coaches of all time. No, no, no. This is number one. This was the biggest ripping your heart out of your rival in the history of sports. So that means, to me, we did have a storybook ending,
0: just not the Duke side. Yeah. I think you make a good point, point in the, the storybook ending is, is you're right. Anybody that hates Duke, that is a wonderful way to end the, not only the season, not only the tournament, but the career. Of a guy that's been uh before the undertaker was around tommy to use a wwe reference he was the undertaker by the way he looked the way he acted and uh look i don't know him from from adam but never liked him and maybe that had a lot to do with living in las vegas and being a rebel fan also being a maryland fan from the acc days but uh i couldn't help but chuckle a little bit watching his uh non-emotional self again tom with with the way they're losing and closing the book on on that chapter but you know when you break down this game, and you're talking about an NC, a North Carolina team that basically a 30-win team, and I know they struggled with injuries at the beginning of the season, and even in midway through, uh, right there at the end, they had to kind of put a run together to even be, uh, I don't know, tournament. I don't even know want to say maybe tur- gauging from where they're going to be selected. I obviously they, I thought there was never a doubt they would be there, but they put a little run together at the end of the season. Did did we take anything away from that that ACC? ACC matchup in the tournament where, where North Carolina really gave it to him that carried on through this tournament? Yeah, I think
1: so. Um, it, you know, I, I I had mentioned this before, and I, I don't remember if we said this on the air, but I had Ian O'Connor on. He just wrote a, a great book about Coach K, the entire life of Coach K. And Ian O'Connor's written some great books, by the way. Um, but I had him on the morning before North Carolina and Duke and the final game on Coach K's court. And he brought up a good point. He said, I think that emotions can run this team like John Wooden's final year, where that team kind of put you know, him on their back and emotionally they were able to lift up and emotionally they were able to really uh, go to the next level. And I said to him, I said, but it could work the other way, right? I mean, it really could. And it could work the other way. And I was talking about, dude, well, maybe there will be too much pressure. And when they lost, that was my immediate reaction. I, I couldn't believe that they lost it. I said, hey, you know what? It's because there was a million Duke players there. Hey, you know what? It's on TV. Ah, it's a lot of pressure on some 19 to 20-year-olds' backs. Never did I mention North Carolina. Never did Ian mention North Carolina. Nobody mentioned North Carolina. What we did was we all stared at Duke. North Carolina that night proved to themselves. We may be young. We may not be the proven team. But we could go on to court at any given moment, handle the pressure, and win against anyone in the country. And they've shown that. You know, I, I spoke about this yesterday and I said, while Kansas is probably the best team in the country, Tim, North Carolina is playing the best basketball of anyone in the country. North Carolina has elevated their game to just an astonishing level. You look at how good this team is and you're wondering, how are they an a seed? Which brings me to this point, Tim, we always talk about, you know, Villanova that they're an eight seed win it all North Carolina. Is not being called a Cinderella only because they come from Tobacco Road. But this is a true Cinderella story. We say it all the time, and I scream it all the time. Take ones and two seeds, okay? You're never gonna get an eight seed to the final four. You're never getting an eight seed to the championship. I scream it all the time. And no one's looking at this team as a Cinderella. Why? Because when they beat Coach K on Coach K's own floor to get into the top 25 for the first time in forever, when they did that, everyone talked about Duke. When they went out and they beat, you know, and Baylor was knocked out and then they beat this deal, oh, well, they overran. Oh, well, they scored 90 points. Out. Nobody was looking at North Carolina. It was still all about Coach K and Duke. It was still all about Coach K and Duke. Last night and yesterday's greatest game of all time, we should be talking about North Carolina. What did we open up here, with Tim? Talking about Coach K and Duke. So, you know, if this wasn't North Carolina, if they had anybody else's jersey on, if this was – you know, Syracuse, Maryland, your team, you know what I mean? If this was, uh, you know, UNLV, all we would be doing is applauding the intense play and the Cinderella story. And this would be bigger than St. Peter's. This would be the biggest story in the last 30 years, 40 years. I mean, this would be unbelievable. But because of North Carolina, they're not getting the credit of being such a ridiculous Cinderella team. and I think it's a slight to them.
0: Yeah, most people that aren't paying attention to the, the seedings, I bet don't even realize they're an eight seed, which uh, North Carolina would be. It would be, he were actually, look, it would be Huber days first year, uh, a chance to win the national title as an eight seed uh, that would we give them seven in school history. And he would join the likes of Dean Smith, Roy Williams as, as um, winning coaches there at North Carolina. And they have, uh, Kansas standing in their way, and before we even look at that game, you know, as a, as a whole, Tom, because I haven't been able to talk to you about it, you know, we went into the Final Four with Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova. They called it the Blue Bloods Final Four. I, I don't know Does I don't know if Villanova qualifies yet as Blue Blood, but, I mean, as far as titles are there, right? Jay Wright's done an unbelievable job in his tenure there. We know what Kansas is about. Three-time champions. Bill Self has one himself. And uh, then you have the true blue bloods in Duke and North Carolina, but as a whole, Tom, what were your thoughts of the tournament? I know like you just mentioned St. Peter's had that nice little run there, but as a whole, when we got to the final four, we had pretty much schools. I don't want to say they should have deserved to be there based on seating, but I don't think anybody's really thinking about that when the final four was set.
1: No, you know what? Look, I like the tournament. I know there wasn't as many buzzer beaters as possible. And I have a little, Personal favoritism, obviously. If you make money during the tournament, you're going to like it more, right? I I crushed, absolutely dominated this tournament, and and the the further it went on, you know that Sweet 16, I did really well. Elite well, Eight, I haven't lost a game since the Elite Eight, so I have a personal, you know, lean towards this all. But I like, you know, look, I say this in all sports. People go, oh, you're a Brady fan. I'm like, I like good play. I like superior coaching. I like that. I don't want St. Peter's in the championship, you know, against a one seed getting blown out by 30 points. I don't want that. You know, I thought St. Peter's had a nice little run, but I I bet on North Carolina that night, right? Um, I like what we're seeing. I like the storylines, but I really do like superior coaches. I think Jay Wright is the best coach in in college basketball right now. I know Chris Wynn put up a, uh, a tweet earlier today, and he had best coaches of all time. I think Jay Wright should be right there. I think Jay Wright's in the top 10. I really do. I think that Bill Self, if he wins this second one, Bill Self has a push for the top 10. Coach K is clearly in the top one or two, okay? And Hubert Davis, like you said, first-year coach. Uh, Nobody has done a better first year ever than Hubert Davis right now. Um, So I like superior coaches. I like superior players. I like the blue bloods when it gets down to it. Now, don't get me wrong. Give me a 15 seed all day. Early in the tournament, give me some upset seeds, give me a 10 seed win. you know, give me that. I don't mind that. It's fun, it's exciting. But when the dust settles, I want the best against the best. And while North Carolina doesn't have a seeding of the best team, they're playing the best basketball, and they have been playing since this tournament began. North Carolina's playing the best basketball anybody in the country.
0: Well, let's peek at tomorrow night and look at. The two teams, North Carolina and Kansas. Tom, tip-off schedule for 6:20 West Coast time. Kansas, a looks like four. You can get fours if you're looking. I see a lot of fours out there. A four-point favorite in this game. And coming into this game off of a, a very impressive Final Four beating of Villanova. You mentioned Jay Wright and his Wildcats. And, Tom, first off, you know, not, not trying to take away anything from Kansas, who who's had an unbelievable season. And you know, kind of ran through this tournament up until they had a tough matchup. You would assume going through here they you know, every team I think seems to have a game where they, maybe not everything's clicking and to get through that, they did 33 win team. Do you think that in this matchup though, I I know I texted you when we we knew more was going to be out for Villanova that obviously had a lot to do with what happens on Saturday.
1: I think Villanova wins that game if, if he plays and Again, I'm not taking anything away from Kansas, who I think is the best team in the country. I talked to you before the year. I thought Kansas was going to be the best team in the country. I have a futures play on Kansas to win it all. Okay, you know that. Um, when we did the Final Four, I told you, I said, I wish I could take Kansas uh, you know, all the way against Tennessee for the final because I thought that they were the two best teams in the country, Villanova right there. But I think Villanova would have won the game. Look, Kansas has had a great year. But who have they played in this tournament to make you stand up and go, whoa? They took on a Creighton team, Tim, that was missing their best rebounder, their big-time guy inside. They took on a Villanova team that was missing their second-leading point scorer at almost 15 points per game and a big rebounder in his own way. They took on a Providence team that nobody believed in. I had going out in the first round, and, and, you know, they played close games all year, but let's be honest, nobody believed in Providence. And they took on a 10-seed Miami. I'm sorry, Miami overshot themselves. What have we watched with this Jayhawks team schedule-wise that tells you, oh, yeah, they, they would have went out there and beat Villanova at full strength? Villanova, you know, they lost that game, and, and they, they lost it pretty handily. But there were points in the second half with under 10 minutes to go. Villanova was in within eight points or so. Put a second-best scorer on that team. Put that guy there. Put, but put him back on healthy, I think it's a two- or three-point game. And, and, you know, to me, Villanova could win those type of games because I do think Jay Wright's that good. So I think that Kansas is very, very good, Tim. But they've gotten a lot of breaks. Creighton and Villanova without their best players, Providence and Miami, they're not impressing me.
0: And even the Providence game, that, that I just talked about that game in the tournament. You kind of got to get through. And they looked uh, very lackadaisical in that game, and they, they they struggled with shooting the ball, and they made it through. That's That was the key. They made it through. And then, as you said, next up was Miami, and they just a team that another good story, right, Tom? Another good story in the in the early rounds of the tournament, but obviously uh, overwhelmed and not the best. Should have lost the USC,
1: Tim. That was bad whistles. I mean, they could have been out literally in the first round.
0: Yeah, no, no you're absolutely correct. So for Kansas, Bill Self last won a title in 2008. You know, he's been uh, he's he's got 15 Big 12 titles. He's been a number one seed nine times in this tournament. And I'm not saying, look, look, his legacy depends on this, but it sure as hell would clear any doubt up that his legacy is what it is with a win tomorrow night, right? I think his legacy
1: doesn't depend on it only because we know that he's coaching for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But if this was, let's say, look, he's got 15 regular season titles in 17 years and one national championship, right? Let's say this was Bill Self's last year. Let's say Bill Self had announced, you know, like Coach K, that he was walking away and this was going to be, you know, the end of Bill Self, who, oh, by the way, is 59 years old, so he's not leaving anymore. I would think that he needs this. You know, again, I'll go back to the list that that Chris, you know, showed us earlier, and and Tom Izzo is above him. Bill Self's a better coach than Tom Izzo if he wins this game. You know, you elevate from, he's only got one win, can't win the big one. To, oh, yeah, he, he might be pushing the top 10. He's certainly pushing, you know, the top 15 and top 20. That's Bill Self's legacy. And that's Kansas. Look, Kansas, you can argue, and I know people from Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina w- would fight back a little bit here. But you could argue that Kansas has the best basketball program in the history of college basketball. Overall, the sustainability and everything else. During Bill Self's reign, though, he got one title right? Overall, Kansas doesn't have the, the cover. I mean, coach K has more than, than, than they do. And we're talking about Kansas. So I don't think he needs it only because of his age, his contract. And he, we know he'll be back. But if I told you tomorrow, you know, bill self wasn't 59, you know, he was 69 with the same exact resume. You would say, you know what? He kind of needs this. So I'm going to say it now. He kind of needs this
0: it's a, it's a good discussion point because, I kind of I've always said this over the years and and, um, I kind of classify it as it's like the Bobby Cox syndrome, right? It's um, (laughs) what did Bobby Cox do other than win however many division titles and make the playoffs every year, but won one World Series, you know, and did that uh, ruin his legacy? I don't think it ruined it, but it it definitely when you look at it, how much more he could have been if he had just won one more World Series out of those times, Tom. And I think the same can be said for Bill Self. If he loses tomorrow he's still got that title he's still got the one but if he wins tomorrow he goes up on all these theoretical lists right that we're looking at and he goes into a separate class now if he can pull off another one in the next few years before he retires you know again he's moving up this this uh this list that we build what does Shashevsky have how many does he have five Five. so you know you're kind of setting these these marks of who you're passing and, and he's a ways away from five and i don't think you'll ever get there but he wins tomorrow, that second one means a hell of a lot more than the guy that just has one. We all know that.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that I've been critical of Tom Izzo forever. And I've been critical of Tom Izzo because with all of the, I think he's got 10 big, big 10 titles. With all of the final four appearances, he's got one, Tim, right? I mean, it's, when you're nitpicking, I get on Aaron Rodgers for this and, and other guys. When you're nitpicking, you're now not going up against everyone totality right? Tom Izzo, is he one of the greatest 50 coaches of all time? Of course. And we're talking all time. Is Bill Self one of the greatest 50 coaches of all time? Sure. But to crack into that proverbial top 20, top 10, you know, you have to have two. You've got to have two to crack into that. Bill Self is in a position here where he can crack into that. He can separate himself away from guys like a Tom Izzo. And I just keep bringing him up because Tom Izzo to me, gets just absolutely so much, so much credit, absolutely so so many people, so much applause, and, and I'm going, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the majority of people um, will put – I mean, they're going to put Izzo in the top 10 most of them, right? And, and let's be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know if, you, if I'm doing that, but I'll tell you what, if Bill Self gets two, doesn't he have to go above him? I mean, they have similar resumes. So, I mean, longevity is there. What about Jim Bayheim, Tim? Yeah. Right. I mean, Jim Bayheim. Here's another one. How many? Uh, you know, does he have? Well, he's appeared in three national championships. He's got one. You see, the separator between one and and multiple is pretty massive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. No doubt about that. And and on the other side of the court for Bill Self and, and in that way of that that number two is this North Carolina we talked about led by a first-year coach Heber Davis. I, I guess the question would be and, and this is not a matter of uh, who's the best team at this uh who's the best team overall right Tom because now we're going to play into the logistics in in that as an eight seed it wasn't like North Carolina had this easy road to hoe to get here right so after a convincing win over Marquette in the first round they had to take on the number 1 team in Baylor and survive that overtime matchup nice win there next up was the four seed in UCLA close game down at, at uh, second in the second half came back to win that one and then i don't want to say it was it was a break for them but because Kentucky got knocked out early by St. Peters they had a Kentucky team that i think all of us thought that uh, the, the the story was special but there was no way they were hanging with this and they were, they were taken out very early in this basketball game. I, I guess the question would be, is there enough tank le- or enough gas left in this tank with Kansas standing there tomorrow night? Can they, can they get it together for, for another uh, two halves of basketball and, and win this national title? My, my
1: question was exactly that this morning to uh, Andy Bagwell. And he said, how, when are we going to stop questioning this team? Right. Nobody gave him a chance to win against Coach K no, on his final game. They were, what, nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, right? Nobody gave him a chance. They went out. They didn't win that game. They dominated that game. Then nobody, nobody really thought that they were going to blow Marquette out. They were a small favorite there. Against Baylor, big underdogs, number one seed, even though they were a week one seed, still went out there, and they won that game. Then UCLA, underdogs again against UCLA, a team that was – a magical run to the final four last year. A lot of people had them winning the championship. A lot of people had them winning the championship went out and they did it against them against Duke this time. Hey, you know what rivalry, they already beat him. Didn't matter. Underdog again. They play the underdog role. Well, a lot of people in sports, especially have that fake underdog mentality. You know, I used to love when Bill Belichick would rile up Tom Brady and tell him, you know, no, no one believes in you, (laughs) you know, come on. Um, and it was that fake underdog mentality. North Carolina is really underdogs. They were basically, uh, you know, a, as close to a pick against Marquette in a lot of spots to open it up. They were underdogs to Baylor underdogs to UCLA underdogs to Duke twice. You know, everyone just keeps counting them out. And I don't know if it's that, is it because Hubert Davis is a first year head coach? Is it because the ACC had a down season? Is it because, you know, it's North Carolina. People just don't like them. I, I mean, is it because they're an eight seed? Who knows, Tim? But it is true. We got to stop trying to count this team out. They are an absolute dynamite team. And I wonder this. This is a hypothetical question I'm going to ask you, Tim. The spread's four, four and a half, right? Yeah. Um, Had North Carolina had a two next to their name instead of an eight, I, is this spread a pick What if they had a one next to them? What if they got the Baylor number? Is it spread to pick them? I think so.
0: I think it's definitely not four and a half, four. Um, you know, like I said, you're talking about a 30-win team that plays in the ACC and really had to go on a run to, to uh, again, put an exclamation point on, on being in that tournament because after the way they were chased out of the ACC tournament by VTech, you know, a lot of question marks for me, especially. I think, obviously, that hurt their seeding, but... No, I'm with you. I I don't think it's. I'd say two, two and a half, maybe. You know, but still, you got an extra basket there. And I, I'm gonna be surprised at what's gonna happen here. And I think that. And here's the way my mind looks at it too. Everybody, and tell me if I'm wrong, Tom, because you're looking at it from the market. You you're seeing the, seeing the, the way people are betting this game so far. Is it is it me, or is it just that? everybody's talking about North Carolina and nobody's talking about Kansas and they love the, the points here. You know, I see, I see a lot of matchup issues down low. I know uh, that, that Carolina has been a beast on the boards last few games, but I still see matchup problems down low with some experience. I think Kansas has a lot of experience there with McCormick and Lightfoot. And I'm assuming that's the way they're going to go and, uh, you know, try to control the, the paint and then open it up on the wings if they, if they are able to, but, Am I wrong? Are people betting this game, North Carolina? Is is the, is the Are they betting Kansas? Is it even bets? What, what are we looking
1: at? 66% of the people are betting on Kansas, and the line went down from four and a half to four. Wow. Okay. Which is a little shocking. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, yeah, that that's a little weird. But you want to get into some X's and O's, Tim, you know, we, we can. Because you said something that is absolutely spot on. First of all, you slighted North Carolina. You said, okay, they've been a good rebounding team recently. Yeah, they put down 50 rebounds against Duke. Um, 21 by Bacock sets or ties a record. But, Tim, they were the best rebounding team in the country coming in. They are right now the best rebounding team in the country. So that is going to be effective. And Kansas is 22-0 when a team gets less than 30 rebounds, 1-3 when they allow 37 or more. It's going to be all about the boards. But I will say this. You look at the one thing that you said, and I think that this is something intangible that no one's looking at and intangible that no one's talking about, Duke is a young team, had a lot of pressure on their shoulders, okay? Kansas, experienced, upperclassmen, right? I mean, that is really something that I think is overlooked here massively. When you took on Baylor, it's hard to repeat. You took on a young Marquette team. They took on, I mean, North Carolina, twice took on a young Duke team. And North Carolina was the steady hand. They were down at the half, came out, uh, came on a 13-0 run after the second half, gave that up, didn't matter. They never wavered. They were always the team that was in mentally in control, emotionally in control because they were a veteran team, whereas Duke is a young team. Kansas is not going to sweat. Kansas is not going to look nervous. Me and you talked about the Coach K game, Tim, um, after after he, he lost on his home court, and, and – we said you could see it in their faces, right? The Duke players were like, uh-oh, oh, my God. We're, we're, we're going to lose this in front of everybody. Oh, man, you can see the nerves from the young kids. You can see it last night with about a minute to go after uh, Love hit that that shot. Duke was deflated. They were done. Kansas isn't going to be like that. Kansas is not going to get deflated. Kansas is not going to waver. Kansas's hand is going to be steady. That's something that North Carolina has not faced You go through the ACC this year, every team they faced in the ACC was either young or unproved and doubting themselves. Virginia didn't even make the tournament, right? Every team. So North Carolina is a team that goes on runs, and they like to go on these runs and kind of scare the other team. And if you're young, if you're inexperienced, if you're doubting yourself, well, that has a real impact to things. Kansas is not young. They are not inexperienced. And they will not be doubting themselves,
0: Tim. So
1: it's a different animal for North Carolina here.
0: Okay. Well, prediction time. I'll start, Tom. I like I like the Jayhawks to, to bring Bill Self his second national title. I, I'm going to go based on a lot of the factors we've talked about. I think just essentially the, the key ones for me, you just broke down the experience factor, you know, you look at schools that reload year after year after year, and I know Kansas always draws a nice recruiting class, but they've actually kept a, a nice core of this together, kinda of like Villanova's team that they just beat. A, a core there that's that's been there for a minute. And they may not have won the national title, but they've been they've had experience in these situations. Whereas again, Duke, Young, Baylor, repeat is very, very tough. They had to go through a Saint Peter's team that wasn't wasn't much form. I just think emotionally maybe a lot's coming out of this game Saturday. And it's been a a long, long march for North Carolina. And I think at the end, Tom, that Kansas will be able to pull away. I like them 79-70 to win the national title. Well,
1: Tim, it's funny. You you didn't mention anybody getting to 80 because Duke is 15-1 when they score 80 points. uh, And Kansas, they are 14-0 when they score 80 points. So it's kind of the race to 80. We watched the total go from 153 to 152 people liking the under in that game. You know, I, I'm going to break it down like this because I, I'm going to give you a full explanation because TomBartonSports.com is not taking a side in this game, not officially on the website. I, I like I like a total, so I'm not going to touch you there. I think that Kansas is the better team, okay? I do. But there's something magical, and I say it all the time, when we are in sports, The unknown, that magic, you you can't bet against it. I've gotten burned too many times early in my career betting against things that I can't explain. Things on paper that just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. This team shouldn't be here. I did it with Oral Roberts last year. I made a lot of money on St. Pete's this year. You know, things that you go, "Ah, you know, it doesn't make any sense. There's something magical about North Carolina. And in a weird, crazy way, Tim, there's less pressure on them to win the championship than there was yesterday. Yesterday, there was more pressure. Because like I said, these kids, and they are kids, they could lose tomorrow and they'll never buy a drink in in Raleigh again. Okay? They will forever be gods because of what they did to Coach K. So now maybe they play a little loose. Where Kansas, you know, you have to win. you got to beat an eight seed. You have to go get Bill Self's number two. You have to. Tim, I'm going to take North Carolina. And I'm going to take North Carolina in a game that I, I expect one or two things to happen. I expect Kansas to win this game by 20, blow them out of the water, or the game to be close. And at the end of a close game, I am not betting against the Cinderella. A true, real Cinderella team. I'm going to take North Carolina with a one-point win at the end. I think they just gutted out and they closed this. You called it to start the show. They closed this storybook ending and a storybook season.
0: Let me ask you this. Since you hold a futures ticket with the Kansas Jayhawks, there'll be some other side betting in this game personally, correct?
1: Yeah. I, well, first of all, I already hedged. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a nice, nice little hedge. So I already hedged it no matter what I'm walking away with, with real good money. That's why I didn't bet on the game. You know, I'm, I'm not game. I think, North Carolina looks like a good side, but this was the perfect scenario when you hold a futures ticket to be able to get the team that you have to bet against as plus money. Well, that's fantastic. I got uh, North Carolina plus plus one sixty five on the money line. So I, I, I hedged all day. So I like a couple of prop plays and I love the total, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a prop play for free that I love. I love manic over two and a half, three pointers last game. He had over two and a half, three pointers posted up as the, the official number. And he went out there, he got only three, but you say only three. Well, he's made three or more in five straight games. And Wilson's a good defender, but Wilson has a problem sometimes coming outside. I think Maddox takes six or seven threes tomorrow, and I'm hoping that he hits about half.
0: Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Time to show the sponsors a little love when we come back from the timeout. We'll do a quick little spot on some NFL football news, as, like Tommy said, it's been a little bit since we've had a lot going on to talk about the NFL. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. And stay tuned, Our 2, our Major League Baseball season preview as opening day just uh, coming up here on Thursday. It's Tim Unglesby. It's Tom Barton. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Back at it, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 989 FM, 1340 AM. We're here with you generally every weekend, 10 p.m. Always something going on that, that could cause us not to be, but we try to keep you best informed when we can, uh, especially coming up with Vegas Golden Knights and their playoff push. So just stay tuned to social media. Or we drop hints on the show as well, and you can listen to all the shows back over at lvsportsnetwork.com. And Tom, to end this hour out. Um, you say Vegas Knights and playoffs there, Tim? Yeah, they get they got a <laughs> they got a road ahead of them. That's for sure. But hey, man, you know, I'm not I'm not rooting either way, right, Tommy? No, me <laughs> neither.
1: Just just saying, it might be a little bit of a push here. I, I mean, I think they make it, but um, yeah. there is yeah, there's some doubt. We can say that
0: there is definitely some doubt here. People call me the Vegas Knights hater, um, but I actually bet put a small wager on them to make the playoffs there was a time right there in that slump that they were plus 240 to make the playoffs tom so i put a little money on them there i think i think they can get it done but they they definitely didn't do themselves any favors that's for sure and and, then you know they're doing what they have to do right now tom they're beating up on bad teams is what you got to do but they're going to need some help
1: yeah i mean yeah like you said they're, they're right there you know, there's some decent teams nipping on their tails, but I, I think they make it. I, I mean, look, I, mean, I hate to say this, but we kind of called this last year with the Knights. Uh, even if they make it, they're kind of one and done. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I don't care who they face, they're not getting through the playoffs. So it, it's kind of a little, a little sad for them because you're looking at this and you're going, yeah, that all this work, they're going to make it, and then there it'll be a real quick exit, no matter what happens.
0: Oh, I'm not sad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, honestly, uh, we don't have to handicap it until we know who's all going to be there, but I think Colorado has a, put a huge target on, on Vegas' back after last year. So I think there's some oh, redemption. Too. But Tim, your, your
1: your favorite team, Seattle, was eliminated, by the way. Yes, yes. But
0: the uh, true expansion team, Tom, true expansion team, had that's, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching them because – That's what I was used to growing up. That's what you were used to growing up. Teams that have to, (laughs) you know, Seattle's not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be there for a few years. So, Uh,
1: but I enjoyed watching. When the tables aren't rigged to your favor, this is what happens.
0: Correct. 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 (laughs) Let's look at this NFL, Tom, as the draft is four weeks away here in Las Vegas, but the off season I know in every sport, in every year, the the, the term, the craziest offseason ever, you know. And and I think this one might have to be up there, Tom. There's just been a lot going on in the offseason. I think really the last time we talked in depth about the NFL was when Brady retired. And yet he's back. His coach is gone. There's been some trades. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams is coming to Las Vegas. Russell Wilson's in Denver. We've had some huge free agent signings, a lot of money being spent. Is this the craziest offseason that you can remember? Bar none, absolutely without a doubt. Um,
1: you know, you, you didn't even mention the, the big you know, news that was going to be big news that wound up not being, which is Aaron Rodgers, right? Rodgers and Wilson and Brady were all for your Hall of Famers. All three, we didn't know what their futures were. That's just enough right there. Huge wide receivers moving teams. Uh, Tyreek Hills in Miami. Uh, how ridiculous is that? You look at the shakeup of even teams like the Bears, Khalil Mack, you know, moving to the Chargers. They're the underrated minor. Bobby Wagner's no longer a Seattle Seahawk. Went to the Rams. I mean, the, the underrated players that aren't getting the attention in any other offseason would be headlining. We could, have, we could say it was a crazy offseason, Tim. Khalil Mack went from the Bears to the Chargers, and Bobby Wagner went from Seattle to the Rams. And people go, yeah. We could say it was a crazy offseason. Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami, and oh, by the way, uh, Devontae Adams signed with the Raiders. And you go, yeah. But all of these things happen, and the quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson going to Denver will go down as one of the, the craziest trades in the history of the league. I mean, it's just going to because it, it's Russell Wilson is so synonymous with Seattle. So I, yeah, I think that this is by far the crazy, and the craziness doesn't stop. It just doesn't. It doesn't end because. Bruce Arians steps away here and yeah. Bruce Arians steps away. And all of a sudden we're hearing, well, you know, Tom Brady might go to San Francisco. He might force a hand there. Well, did he force Arians out? We're not sure. Maybe he'll go to Miami and I hear he's going to buy the team. He's going to buy a portion of the team. <laughs> I mean, he's looking for. I mean, it, the speculation is absolutely crazy. What's funny is that we're going into a draft where it's so under the radar. The draft doesn't have that big name guy, there's not a lot of appeal. It's one of the quietest drafts I've ever seen. So to make up for it, they gave us the most insane offseason that we've ever had in the NFL.
0: I was going to say that this this draft, you and I look we're we're uh, we're hardcore guys. So I'm not saying this from a personal point of view because I'm looking forward to this draft. Really, when when there's not that, uh, I don't even want to say excitement, Tom, but it's, it looks like you know. It's a very boring draft if you look at it from a a mainstream point of view. But for guys like us, you know, we're kind of doing our mock drafts already. We're slotting guys. So, yeah, I think they definitely made up for what the lack of attention to the draft class would be with all these great offseason moves. And um, you mentioned a bunch of them that that really the AFC, man, unbelievable. Just the moves that, that have been made in the AFC to try to to get to the Super Bowl. And, and uh, some of the ones you said, but what about, look at the quarterbacks changing hands, right? You mentioned it, Russell Wilson, uh, Sean Watson now in Cleveland. You have Carson Wentz gone from Indianapolis and bringing in Matt Ryan. You know, these smaller deals could mean a lot here late in the season because when you look at teams, obviously Kansas City's loaded, right, Tom? We we already know Cincinnati coming back. You throw Baltimore in the discussion, but the, the, these all chariot moves and whether Watson plays or how much he plays is a lot to factor in Cleveland and Indianapolis. You know when <laughs> when Wentz was when they decided Wentz wasn't the guy. I said, who the hell are they going to get to play quarterback? I love Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. I really do, and I think you know that that for me already. I circle that team, and not that. I didn't think that they were capable of being there, Tom, but I circled it more of like a dark horse that could make a run if they're healthy.
1: You know, it's funny. I didn't even mention Matt Ryan, Matt Carson Wentz is another one, right? I, Mitch Trubinski's a starting quarterback somewhere. We didn't <laughs> even get down to it. We didn't even get to it. Uh, it just highlights the point of, of course, yeah, this is the craziest offseason. You know, I, I liked the Matt Ryan thing, but what I said about the Matt Ryan thing, you know, does, does it really move the needle? Look, I think Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, but is Matt Ryan equipped to go beat Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you know, Herbert. I, I mean the list goes on. To me, it, getting Matt Ryan as opposed to Carson Wentz gives him a better shot to win the division. But it doesn't get them any closer to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's a slight, but it's not meaning to be. I think I think Matt Ryan is a good fit there. I like him there. But is it a game-changing move? It really isn't. And Indianapolis is a, is a place that they're going to run the ball first anyway. They're still lacking some weapons. We know that. Um, Julio you know, would be nice. But uh, they're still wa- lacking some weapons. They are in a position where they lost a couple of guys. They lost a defensive coordinator. You know, I think it's a a nice move. But how much is Matt Ryan worth? To me, Matt Ryan is worth maybe a game or two. Regular season, we'll give him two game bump in the regular season, but he's not worth a playoff win. Not in the AFC, not the way that it's constituted right now.
0: What's bigger in your in your mind? What's bigger, Devonte Adams to Las Vegas, or Tyreek Hill leaving Kansas City to go to Miami? So, so Casey's replacing Tyreek Hill with Schuster Smith, Smith Schuster, and Valdez Scantling. He gets the hyphenated receivers there. You know, so two for one. In that situation, of course, you you already know with Kelsey there. Um, is it more is it more advantage Adams to Vegas or disadvantaged Casey losing Hill? My response to Adams to Vegas
1: was a collective yawned him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I've said it for ten years. No team has ever been a wide receiver away from making the championship. I mean, it just isn't. The wide receivers are good. The entire town will love Devonte adams he'll be fantastic he'll put up big time numbers but he's not the difference maker of you know what the raiders were just a playoff team now are the raiders a super bowl team because of Devonte adams no tyreek hill leaving could be that because the chiefs were a championship team right i mean the chiefs were, were right there among a the championship team and he adds a unique skill set that allows the separation to make sure that you have to have a safety over the top, which means everybody else benefits, including an aging Travis Kelsey. An aging Travis Kelsey gets one-on-one separation over the middle, and he plays almost a slot receiver role because of the back end being opened up. I don't care who you have. If you don't have that speed, you know, it It won't matter. And Kansas City losing Tyreek is a lot bigger. You know how I feel about the guy personally. I, I don't like Tyreek at all, but I think that losing Tyreek is massively bigger than gaining Devontae Adams. I think the Adams move is a nice move. It's a really good move. It's a move the Raiders should have made. Excellent. But they didn't just all of a sudden become Super Bowl contenders. Where the Chiefs were Super Bowl contenders, they were the favorites in Las Vegas to win the Super Bowl. Tim, I think they're, they're downgraded. I think they're looking up at Buffalo right now. And I think they're looking behind them saying, hey, Denver might catch us. Chargers might catch us. Raiders might catch us. This took a... Super Bowl fate and made them a question mark. Devonte Adams took a playoff team and made them a playoff team.
0: And I know Baker Mayfield's not the answer in Cleveland. We, we've known that. We've seen that every, every great rookie season and then just progressively got worse. But is this the Cleveland Browns being the Cleveland Browns again, Tom? They, they So they're fully guaranteeing and committing $230 million to a guy who – Obviously, will be facing a massive civil suits coming up here in the next few years in Deshaun Watson. And they mortgaged, uh, you know, when they, when they use the term mortgage the future, they gave up a hell of a lot to Houston for Deshaun Watson. W- what's the call here with Cleveland, in your opinion, right move, wrong move? Absolutely horrendous, horrific, terrible
1: move by the franchise a horrendous move by the franchise it, because did you see that contract structure tim yeah did you see that it's like an NBA contract structure they can't get rid of watson Stefanski will leave before watson they can't it's an ironclad contract you know he could get suspended for a year and it doesn't matter they can't void the contract it's fully guaranteed so you're a running team that's your mo is a running team you're a running team in cold weather You just gave your franchise to Deshaun Watson, no matter what. We talk about the civil suits and all that stuff. Forget about it. What we do know is that it's going to be a distraction for him, right? I mean, at the very least, let's say he wins them all. It doesn't matter. He's going to be in court. You gave the the most ludicrous contract, full guaranteed rights, ironclad contract to a guy that has basically a 500 record in the NFL. You know I like Deshaun Watson, or at least I did before all this stuff. You know, I like Deshaun Watson as a player. I think he's fantastic. But the results have never been there. This isn't a multiple-time Super Bowl champion. This isn't a multiple-time playoff winner that just needed a little something. Don't tell me he didn't have weapons in Houston, guys. He had a fantastic defense with the defensive MVP, J.J. Watt. He had a really good wide receiver. Okay, Uh, maybe at that time, very potentially, uh, Hopkins was the best in the game. He played with Will Fuller. Can't stay on the field, but man, when he does, he was a Deshaun Watson is a massive talent, but he played with a lot of massively talented guys. He's going to a completely new system, cold weather situation, much tougher division. Remember, Deshaun was playing in a, in a joke division. And Deshaun's never really shown, as far as the wins loss goes, that he could handle anything. What has he shown? He he's gone in there. I, I think he comes to Cleveland, and I think Cleveland is better than they were with Mayfield, but I don't see him as a fit. To me, this almost spells Stefanski being gone. This almost spells that Stefanski, who was you know, coach of the year, what, two years ago, right? Kevin Stefanski comes in, and he wants to run the ball 40, 45 times a game. That's all this guy wants to do, and play tremendous defense. And now they're going to go, well, we have Watson. What's going to happen? He's got no one to throw the ball to. He's going to complain that he's got nobody to throw the ball to. Eventually, Cleveland's going to continue to start losing because they have they have three-quarters of their entire salary cap tied up in three players. And that's real. That's, that's a serious thing. We've seen this act before. Cleveland, for the next five years, will win 10, 11, 12 games a year, and they will continue to get knocked out in the playoffs. It's just a bad omen, a bad situation, and I think Cleveland completely, completely messed this entire thing up. I like the Watson in addition to any team. Just on a skill position set, but not that contract. My goodness!
0: That's the voice of Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tim Unglesby, you're listening to Heatwave Sports. We're going to take the top of the hour timeout and come back with your Major League Baseball season preview. Stay tuned, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Welcome into Hour two of Heatwave Sports. Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, that's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Follow us over on social media, Twitter, at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And Tom, before we look at our annual Major League Baseball season preview, I guess the question would be, as I ask you every year, how will Thursday look for you, Tom, when it comes to watching the games. As we know, in years past, you've had the bar where you could just go and hang out there and watch games. But what about this year? You know, full slate of games. Uh, literally I've talked about over the years of how I used to go to the sports book and watch them, but I've decided, you know, I went into the man cave mode. Let's put it that way, Tom. I, I spend a, I don't really move off the couch unless it's to eat or use the restroom. If you know what I mean. <laughs> um. Well, you know, yeah, I've done the
1: sports book thing a couple of times. I I always try to kind of find a good environment. Like I said, I've had my bar. You know, I'm not sure. I said to Abby um, just uh, a couple of days ago, I said, by the way, you know, Thursday, I'm going to be completely useless. It winds up being really good for me because the Yankees are playing at one o'clock. And that's usually the game that I want to concentrate on. And then everything else kind of surrounds around that. I like to watch all the games normally I have the Yankees on the one TV, on the other TVs I kind of flip around if I'm at home, which doesn't happen often. And I go to a sports bar. Well, the Yankees are the early game here. And then everything else sort of comes later on. Um I'm betting on a later on game. I'm, I'm all over a later on game. So, if the stacking helps out pretty nicely. Because the stacking, I think I'm going to go to Wild Wings. My niece actually works at Wild Buffalo Wild Wings. We went out and watched the Super Bowl there and we were taken care of really nicely. Me and Tommy went out and and uh you know, he he was Really jazzed up a while about watching North Carolina. We watched North Carolina St. Pete's there, and look, this isn't an endorsement by a Wild Wings or anything, but you know, I always had a good time there. There, I'm taken care of there. It, it's a nice environment, so I might do the half day kind of thing. Go there for the you know for the Yankee game, hang out there, you know, until six or seven about dinner time. Come back home and watch the late games here.
0: Yeah, you got Red Sox Yankees to open it up Thursday morning well, Thursday morning here, and then ending Astros Angels late night, Tom, you know, that's a, that's a nine 30 start back there in New York. And man, let me it ask you this question. A 12 hour day, 13, yeah, no, 12,
1: no. 13 hour day.
0: No doubt. No doubt about that. Does, is, does this qualify as a excused absence for Tommy to miss school? You know, normally,
1: yes, <laughs> I would say absolutely. But my son has turned into somebody that casually watches the games just wants to play so okay. thursday is supposed to be pouring rain if he were to stay home i would watch about half the yankee game and i'd be outside with him because he wants to go outside and play my <laughs> daughter however <laughs> comes home from school at about eleven thirty or 12 o'clock she will sit and watch the entire three-hour game with me and ask 1700 questions but I love those questions. So if she's in the mood to watch the game, I might do the first half here, second half, you know, out to watch all the games. Um, but no, Tommy's not staying home. Gracie, she might be sitting
0: right next to me. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That is awesome. Let's look at the before we look at the divisions and, and predictions and, and previews. The the quick to know about some of the um, in the collective bargaining agreement, which is important here when we're discussing is that there's a universal DH now, Tom, and the playoff format for this year will be 12 teams instead of 10. So you'll have your three division winners and your three wild cards from each league in the playoffs. Anything, you know, this is gonna. yeah, I was going to say the same thing is really trash.
1: Basically, if anybody that goes over 500 and by the way, from a betting standpoint, you know, make sure that you know that a lot of teams are a lot of people are out there betting on you know, will they make the playoffs? Won't they make the playoffs? Anybody over 500 is probably going to make the playoffs last year. If we would have done this format, only what is it, one team or two teams, one team from each league or just one overall team wouldn't have made the playoffs. So anybody that's over 500 is making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, essentially. And that's what is that to placate this? Um, what what is this placating? Is it the players? Is there obviously is there money involved here? Is it to, for fans? Is it you know why why do they do this?
1: Because baseball can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Because baseball is awful. It's all about the money, Tim. That's all it is. You know, I mean that, that that's really all it is. They just want to get more teams in because they believe more revenue will come in. Um, and I'm looking it up right now. So last year, let's see, one, two, three, four, five teams in the American League last year. Tim had a winning record. One, two, three, four teams in the National League. So that, that's it. Last year, <laughs> there was only nine teams in all baseball that had a winning record. So with the new format, Tim, you're going to see teams like. Uh, so what? What is it? How many teams in, in each league are going? Twelve? Yeah, six each. Six each, right? One, two, yeah. three, four, five. Okay. So let, last year, the top four teams in the National League all had winning records. We would have had a 77 and 85 New York Mets team making the playoffs. 8 games <laughs> under 500 and Tim the 74 and 87 Colorado Rockies team would have would have been right in it until the last weekend. How about the American League, right? American League's a little bit better. Um because the 6 team would have been the Cleveland Indians at 80 and 82. But look at the National League. 77 and 85 would have gotten you a playoff berth last year.
0: Wow. It's disgusting. Yeah, and then and then uh, God forbid they win a win a series, win that first series, and then we have to listen to how this is the team of destiny speech.
1: Well, you, you look know? at it like this. Look, let, let's just—I know we're giving our predictions in a minute, but look, let's just all assume that the top echelon teams are going to be Dodgers, Cardinals, you know, Phillies, Padres, probably right. So that means one—that means two of these teams have to make it: Pittsburgh, Arizona, Washington, Miami. Cubs, Colorado, Cincinnati, or the Mets. Two of those teams have to make it. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh are actively trying to lose. Washington's in a complete rebuild. Arizona's garbage. Miami, I mean, they're Miami. The Cubs are in a complete rebuild. Colorado just got rid of their best players. So, okay, even if we say the Mets get in, there's still one of those teams, either the rebuilding and we don't care about the season, Arizona, Pittsburgh, or Cincinnati. Is Miami or Chicago or Colorado or Washington? That's what we're looking at. One of those garbage teams are going to get in.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. Could be the well, year of the fish, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we like what they what they built, and we're gonna that's where we're gonna start, Tom. We're gonna start in the the NL East here in the National League, and, and we'll look at first the Atlanta Braves, obviously last year's World Champions. They, they had an unbelievable second half. We know that. They were left for dead around the All-Star break, put it on in the second half. They finished with 88 wins and then had that run surrounding the uh, the playoffs and Freddie Freeman leading that team. Well, you and I and everybody else knows Freddie Freeman is gone. And where does that leave the Atlanta Braves as far as built up for this season? You know, Tom, they replaced Freddie Freeman essentially with Matt Olsen from the A's. I like Olsen. I like Freeman. See what happens here. You, you have Acuna Jr. coming back as he was not part of that playoff team due to injury. We, we saw what Austin Riley did in the playoffs, Tommy. Uh, Alby's solid at second. you know, I, I think Atlanta's going to be good. And it's going to – I think I'm going to say this a lot. It's going to hinge on whether they can keep that rotation in, intact. And I know Soroka eventually will, will join this team. But you're, you're going with Morton, old-timer. You have Max Freed, who pitched well in the playoffs, and Ian Anderson, who pitched well as, as well. Ian Anderson pitched well as well. Your thoughts on the Braves? I, you know, I, I think they're good. I think they're going to be right there in the mix. Can they win the World Series again? Probably not, but I think they're going to playoff team. Yeah, I think they're going to be right
1: there. I mean, you're losing something with Freddie Freeman. As good as as Olson is, there's just that leadership there. You're going to lose that. I do worry about this bullpen. This is a bullpen that Kenley Jansen – Looked real good with the Dodgers last year, but the two years before that, he looked like he was on a steep decline. Will Smith, he looks good at times, um, but he can also be a guy that can falter. They just lost uh, like AJ Minter is decent, but you know they just lost um, uh, a, a key bullpen piece just this week, right? So it's a World Series team that had some bumps, had some dings in it last year, but they were able to overcome. I don't think you could overcome two years in a row, but I don't expect them to drop off the, the the map here. I think that, like you said, they have power, they have speed, they have good pitching. You're asking a lot from a huge year again from Charlie Bourne, a huge year for Kenley Jansen, a huge year, you know, for a lot of guys that maybe it was their last little hurrah. I think Atlanta's good; they're probably a playoff team, but I'm not as high on them as everybody else.
0: You brought up the Mets. We'll go there next. New York. They go out and they, they pick up Mad Max, Tommy, in the offseason to, to pair him with DeGrom. Uh, we all know the situation that, that's looming with that right now. Chris Bassett comes over from the A's to, to put, I guess, slot in the third spot. And then I think you can mix. You got Taiwan, a guy that you, you were heavy on early in his career, has kind of found himself a back end rotation guy. Carlos Carrasco also around. And I look at the Mets last year in, in disappointment, and we can say this year after year how it's disappointment, it's disappointing. D- do you think that the the addition, if, if they're healthy, obviously you have two of the top, what, five, seven pitchers in the baseball game, but they have to be healthy. I like the way the pen sets up there in New York. I, you know, it's hard for me to say that the Mets a playoff team, but I, I really think Tommy it's when we're looking at the way that this is going to build out, you know, I like Atlanta in the playoffs. I think there's enough offense there for them that it's either New York or Philadelphia. And that's where we're going to get to here. But I, I think the Mets set, set up well, if the pitching is healthy and I, I'm saying that again, if the pitching is healthy. Well, Tim, they're going with a bullpen game in, in game one
1: of the year. Why <laughs> Jacob DeGrom, I, to me, I keep hearing, You know, you read the tea leaves, right? Don't you got to have to read things? And Jacob deGrom is going to be shut down for a month. He will not pitch in April. Will not pitch for four weeks. Then they're going to try to ramp him back up. Buck Showalter was asked about it, and he said, well, you know, at the trade deadline, if we get deGrom back, trade deadline, trade deadline's July 30th, Tim. So what are you getting from from Jacob deGrom? To me, I don't think, if you're a Met fan, I don't think you can expect anything from Jacob deGrom before July. Okay, and probably right around the all-star break. Maybe he makes a start or two before that. But you're talking about half a season of DeGrom. Max Scherzer, hamstring injury. Not a huge deal. Kind of a huge deal when you're 37, though. Another problem. I worry about that bullpen. I worry about the makeup of this team. They have Dom Smith on this team that doesn't want to be here. And they're trying to trade him. They can't even find a taker for Dom Smith. J.D. Davis, a trade was in place for him. He doesn't want to be here. It's not a great situation. Robinson Cano is going to force his way into a DH role, even though he doesn't deserve it. I mean, you know, the New York Mets are the most dangerous team in baseball because if, if they squeak into a wild-card spot and you have DeGrom and Scherzer 1-2, they can win the whole thing. I mean, that, that's legitimately it. But the Mets are always the Mets. And Jacob DeGrom, to me, has as much chance to pitch effectively this year for 20 starts plus and the playoffs, as he does to miss the entire year again. He's had multiple arm injuries. Max Schurz is 37 years old. And now, instead of going, oh, we got a great 1 2, you're going, all right, Scherzer's is replacing DeGrom and we're hoping to get him back about midseason or so. I don't like the Mets for the division at all. Do I think the Mets can still win the World Series? Maybe. And the New York Mets, by the way, have the highest handle to win the World Series. In the country, bet MGM put it out, they have 19.3%. 19% of all the bets that came in on the World, World Series So the Mets. Everyone's on them. They're banged up. Yes, they're dangerous. Tim, I think the Mets are going to be the Mets, which means they're going to have problems. They're going to fall flat. And this DeGrom news is a crushing blow. Yeah. By the way, I want to also point something out here. Real quick, I know we're kind of in front here. Jacob DeGrom came out and said, No matter what happens, even with his injury, he doesn't care. He's still opting out of his contract. So the New York Mets want to baby him, okay, because you want to have him for the playoffs. And you think Jacob DeGrom, if he's feeling not 100%, is going to risk next year's giant payday? No,
0: not at all, guys. Philadelphia, next up, Tom. Look, offense plenty with this lineup, right? You have Hoskins, you have Schwarber, you have Castellanos. Former UNLV player Bryson Scott looks like he's probably going to make the team out of camp, which is huge. And, of course, you have the MVP and Bryce Harper also, Las Vegas born. Real Muto can hit the ball. They're, they're, They're able to hit. We saw last year the problem with Philadelphia was the pitching just fell apart. And when they left Philadelphia to play on the road, they were absolutely horrendous. What do you look at the Phillies? I'd like to see Nola. You know, it wasn't that he had a bad year, Tom. He just didn't get a lot of run support. And uh, I think we're expecting more out of Aaron so maybe a bounce back year for him. But again, it's going to come down the rotation. Can Eflin and Wheeler, can the Zacks be like they were last year? I think that Wheeler
1: will be in the top 10 in the Cy Young vote. And I think Aaron will be top five. You you talk about their hitting. Absolutely. I love their hitting. I think Hoskins has a bounce back. Harper, look, he just won the MVP. People are not looking at him. You said Rio Muto. Sure. All of that's true. Tim, it's the pitching. The problem is, is that I have zero faith in this bullpen. I know you're talking about Corey Knebel and Nerys, and you know they, they have a collection of eh, maybes. They have a collection of maybes. I don't like that for a bullpen. So while I do really like the front side of their pitching staff, and I love their hitting, I just don't love their bullpen. I think the Phillies last year. I took the Phillies um, team total over. I hit that. I took the Phillies to win the division. Didn't win that, but you know I have them uh, right there. I'm doing the same thing again. No one's given the Phillies any confidence at all. Philadelphia's team total this year, Tim, is set at 81. Excuse me. They just got to be a 500 team. I think they definitely get there with the
0: pitching staff. Miami Marlins to fish. This this is a a group you've been backing for a few years, so you like the way they've been built up. When you look at Miami, can they be a surprise in this division and find a way to sneak into the playoffs? I think they might be. Um, I love their pitching staff. Sandy Alcantara and Lopez,
1: and if they get anything from Sixto, I like their back end with Floro and Bender. Um, and they added Jorge Soler. I think Jazz Chisholm is the is the next guy. You look at the small additions they wound up making. I like every one of them. I think Miami, look, they won 67 games last year, Tim. I think they could win 80, maybe squeak in to a wild-card hunt if everything
0: falls right. And that leaves Washington with a 65 wins last year. And they're, you know, Tom, look, they had their run. They got a World Series out of it. And it, it, this is the situation where they, it's a rebuild spot here for Washington. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at on, on Washington. I, I mean, look, they're not winning the division. They're not making the playoffs. They're in a rebuild mode, correct?
1: No Harper, no Turner, no Rendon. No Strasburg, because he's injured. Uh, No Scherzer. (laughs) I mean, you know, the cupboard is bare, except you got very potentially the best player on the planet, Juan Soto there. Uh, Soto just can't do it all on his own. Washington might win more than the 65 games they won last year, but I don't think they're even sniffing 500. Yeah.
0: All right. Prediction time. So in the National League East, Tom, I have... I have the Atlanta Braves winning the division, and I have the Philadelphia Phillies making the playoffs.
1: I, I have the same, except I got Philly winning the division here, and, and okay. I have the Braves making the playoffs right behind them. But I'm, I'm going with Philly. I think they solved something
0: in the bullpen by the end of the year. And I'm with you on the total, the team total. Actually, over at 81.5, that, that was my third best team total uh, that I played. So I, I like Philly over that total as well. Let's move to the central, and we'll start at the bottom. Well, perceived bottom to the top, Tom, Pittsburgh. The Pirates, uh, you know, over the years, you've done a lot of radio in Pittsburgh. You're very, very knowledgeable about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we've talked about the rebuild here for the Pirates for the past decade. 61 wins last year. Where do we sit with the Pirates this year, Tom? Are we we treading that 70-win mark? Is that about as good as we're going to get? I don't even know if they get there. I think they
1: might win. They might lose another 100. Pittsburgh is, is just in a bad way. Um, their closer, who is their one bright spot on the pitching staff, they're saying may not even be the closer. Why? Because they don't want to lose him in arbitration if he gets great numbers. Brian Reynolds might be traded. Tim, 65 win toss.
0: Chicago Cubs next, 71 wins last year. We already know they have been in the rebuild mode the last few years. Look, they're they're throwing out Kyle Hendricks on opening day, Tom. You know, you're talking about, yeah, veteran pitcher, but he's definitely at the end of the the, the rope there as far as his playing career. And then offensively, nothing, <laughs> Tom. Honestly, I you know I'm not trying to be funny. Nothing really sticks out on this team for me. Yeah, Suzuki's the only thing. And you know, I, I talked to
1: Rob Mission over the course of talking to him. I said, you know, maybe this could be a 75-80 win team. I mean, it might it might be. I like Suzuki. I think Strowman and Hendricks are okay. They have a lot of okay things. Rowan Wick as a closer, hey, he's all right. I mean, they have a lot of that. They have a lot of, ah, okay, they're okay. And you got to remember they're in a, a division where Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are actively trying to lose. So they might walk into a couple of wins. They won 71 last year. I think they win. Yeah, they're going to snip. They're not going to get to 500, but they're not going to be 70 win team either.
0: Cincinnati Reds, eighty-three wins last year. Um, slow, slow process for Cincinnati over the years, but they they've gotten to a point where the the playoffs are in sight. We all like Louis Castillo there at the top of the rotation. Again, though, Tyler Molly, the number two, Tom, and then it kind of drops off for me, you know. And, and the bullpen is young, inexperienced. They they can, you know, Vato, I again back into the career there. Mustakis, he is what he is. Nothing sticks out for Cincinnati here for me other than the top two guys in the rotation. So I'm kind of looking at these three teams that we've talked about. Not that there's a, you know, there won't be a differential between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh as far as wins goes, but as far as progressing past that, I just don't see it as far as a playoff team for Cincinnati either.
1: Tim when I say they're trying to actively lose, it's because I don't expect Luis Castillo to finish the season as a red Maybe not Joey Votto finishing the season as a red. Tommy fan might be a, a little quick rental. They might flip him real quick. I, I don't see Cincinnati. Cincinnati won 83 games last year, Tim. I think they're going to be closer to Pittsburgh at the 65 or 70 win range.
0: Yeah, 83 wins last year. And what's the season total? 74 was their win. And total that's about issues. right. That, that's about right. St. Louis next up. The Cardinals last year 90 wins and uh quietly in the offseason right tom just put little pieces together Stephen mats is over now Uh, think about since think about st louis and and you look at the the lineup obviously with goldie and nolan at the corners Uh, young young outfield bader and carlson they, they just do the things to, w- to win, Tom, right? And, and I think that's what we're looking at again this year. Obviously, Flaherty on the DL to open the year. Wayne Wright, this might be the last ride for Adam. They had an incredible season last year. Hudson in the rotation. I just look at the Cardinals. Tom, it's, it's just b- basic baseball, and that's why they're so successful. You know, I like the
1: Cardinals, like you said. Even Tyler O'Neill is kind of a budding star. Their you know, bullpen has massive potential. It worries me. Flaherty being injured worries me. Who's who's pitching behind Wainwright? I mean, you know, do you you have anybody that you feel confident in? And can you feel confident even in Wainwright and Molina and all these guys kind of their last ride, for for example? Look, I think that's a good theory. They're in a bad position. They're a borderline, you know, they were a 90-win team last year. They're a borderline to me. 85-win team this year. But I could see them completely tanking. I could see them making a run for the division. It depends on how much these older guys really have left in the tank.
0: And that'll take us to Milwaukee. 95 wins last year. And the bottom line in Milwaukee, Tommy, you and I both know this. Burns, Woodruff, 1-2. Peralta, solid 3. You go through a bullpen with Suter and Williams to get to the guy, to close him out in Hater, That's the recipe for success in Milwaukee. I see a lot more of that this year as well. Offensively, look, the the Brewers win games. They get enough runs to win games because they have a, a wonderful pitching staff. I just see a lot of that again this year, Tom. And, and until, unless there's an injury or one of these guys falls off the wagon, you know, that that's the success for them. I like Milwaukee again this year. I like them to win that division. I think 95 is probably... Too many this year, but but right at 90, 90 should get it done, Tom.
1: Tim, I got him at 100 wins. This is the, the biggest win total that I picked took this year. I took him over 88 wins. I love Milwaukee. You mentioned 1-2-3. 1-2-3 uh, is the best in baseball. 1-2 is the best in baseball. 1 is the best in baseball as of right now. Um, Aaron Ashby is is a big addition to this team as well. <clears throat> and you really, you look at their hitting. Tim, I, I don't think people understand the kind of season that Willie Adamas has had. When he complained, I couldn't see at the drop, Look at what he did some coming over to Milwaukee. Uh, Rowdy Telez, another huge addition kind of guy. Uh, Kyson Hiura could be a big bat. He was a, a former top pick. If they get anything from Christian Yelich, and by the way, Hunter Renfro was a great, I think he hit 30, 35 bombs there. I like everything about this Milwaukee team.
0: Yeah. I think we're both in agreement that Milwaukee wins this division. St. Louis makes the playoffs, yes? That's
1: exactly what I have, yes.
0: And now we'll go to the West. Uh, unbelievable last year, the Giants and the Dodgers down the stretch in the summer. The Giants, 107 wins to get it done and knock Dodgers out of that divisional championship by a game. So let's start with the Giants. 107 wins last year, Tommy, as I said, and now. Where's the drop happen here? The season win total set 85 and a half. So the 20 game difference there. And obviously, you know, for good reason, which a wonderful season for San Francisco last year. Gaussman is gone. So now Logan Webb becomes essentially your number one. Carlos Rodon, the, the strikeout guy is there as well. And then some veterans in the back half, Wood, Cobb, uh, McGee, in the closer with Rogers. Garcia setting up Alvarez there as well. Look, it was a wonderful season, Tom. A wonderful season. 107 wins. They overachieved, no doubt about it. We all know Posey gone, retired. And now they're left with a lot of of, uh, veterans, Tommy, and a lot of role players, I think. So when you look at 85, I, I, I like that a lot. And obviously a regression big time for the Giants.
1: Yeah. Buster Posey leaving helps... Uh, The entire division, the pitching staff is going to be hurt by that. I don't love the back end of their bullpen. I I don't like Doval that much. I do like Rodgers, but I don't love the back end of their bullpen. I know Cobb is a a nice guy. He could have a couple of good starts, but let's be honest. He's not making 30 plus starts. Crawford played over his head. Brendan Belt played over his head. Everybody played over their their head. Um, Look, I think 85 is a fair number. I think they're about a 500 team. I think they get a couple of games over because it's a weak division, but that's where I see this team.
0: Colorado, 74 wins last year. The season win total set this year at 68. And there are gonna be a lot of bad teams in baseball. We know that. Colorado in the offseason. Chris Bryant joins the team just a couple weeks back. Look, I think they're I think they're gonna be able to score runs. And this is the, the scratching my head situation in Colorado was that you know they, they send out they don't bring Arenado back, they don't bring Story back, but they bring in Bryant. And they have C.J. Krohn and McMahon. These are guys that they're assuming are going to hit the baseball long and far. But when you look at the team, and again, it's always going to be a Colorado situation, right, Tom, is that the pitching is just going to be garbage. I see, you know, 74 isn't good. I see less wins than for Colorado this year just because there's no arms there. Their best arm has been John Gray over the last few years. I know Marquez is there as the number one, but I've always been a John Gray fan. And I'm interested to see what John Gray does in Texas now that he's left that city in that ballpark, give me less than 74 wins for Colorado this year.
1: Yeah, Tim, someone's got to win some games in this division. I think 74 is is fair. Um, yeah, you want you want to tell me 70? Sure, I'm listening. I, I mean, you know, when we're talking about one or two games, it's really nitpicking. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you, you give me two games higher, two games lower. I, I'm probably with you where I'm going under 74 for Colorado, but – they have some talented guys. Brendan Rodgers is talented, and they have some young, talented players there that maybe they go through a, a week or two stretch that pushes this over, but no threat for anything.
0: Last year, the two worst teams in baseball were the Baltimore Orioles and the Arizona Diamondbacks with 52 wins, Tom. Both teams lose 110 games, so we're at Arizona. The season win total set at 66.5, so everybody looking at you know, a situation where maybe Arizona can, can put some wins on the board with a young, young team. But let me just read this to you. This, this is the top three names in the, in the rotation, led by veteran Ian Kennedy as your one, J.B. Welting and Noe Ramirez, Tom. That's your top three pitchers to start opening day. Yeah, well, they need
1: Zach Gallon to come back. I think Seth Beer could be a bat that no one's talking about now that he plays DH. Uh, their shortstop is, is a, a talented guy, could go 15-15. I think they have a little bit there. Look, they're not a 52-win team, but I also don't think that they're a 70-win team. You know, in the mid-60s, is pretty fair. Arizona's got a long rebuild, but I do like their minor league system. They have a lot of young kids coming up. They just drafted another shortstop in this year's first-year player draft. They have about three or four guys that are right on the cusp of making Arizona a dangerous team in the next two or three years.
0: That leads us with the two Southern California teams in the West, San Diego last year, Tom, was everybody's pick to win it. They were going to win the division. They were going to dethrone the Dodgers. They're going to make the playoffs, win the, win the world series. And they turn around and win 79 games. So this year the books set the Padres at 90 and a half wins. That would be an 11 game improvement. When you look at the pods, as we saw today, adding an arm to the rotation, Sean Manea will join that staff with Joe Musgrove. You have Hugh Darvish there. Funny, Blake Snell, former number one Tom in Tampa, slotted in the four spot in San Diego this season. What do you know about the Padres? And uh, I, I think we we both have them over 79 wins, but they're not catching the Dodgers in this division. No, listen. Their pitching staff looks really
1: good. I don't love their bullpen. It's a lot of shake up there. Tatis is always injured. Rob Mish wrote an article, uh, you know, uh, this year about last year. My number one pick that I loved all over the place was the under in San Diego. I was totally sold them because I, I didn't like anything they did. Well, this year comes back a little bit. I think they are going to be better. I think that they have a solid team, but I'm still not buying into them. I'm still not sold. They'll get more than 79 wins, but I don't think that they're a 90-win team, Tim. I think they st- they're they somewhere in the mid-80s. You want to tell me that, you know, they're an 83-84, sure. You want to talk to me about an 86-87, that's fine, Tim.
0: Bob Melvin takes his team over. They, they needed a change in leadership, I guess was the situation. So when when you look at San Diego a little, little further, Tommy, and you mentioned the bullpen. So Mel- Melanson, they let him go to basically – is this, is this a bullpen by committee situation? Is, is that who's closing this? Yeah, I mean, I think is Drew Pomerantz takes
1: over eventually,
0: but he's not going to be back until early June. Mm-hmm. And what about your guy? I know you like Luke Voigt in New York. How about him getting to play every day now in San Diego?
1: Yeah, you'll see what we see about Luke Voigt. He's got a lot of holes in his swing. Good guy. You root for him, but he's a 250, 260 hitter. He'll knock out 30 bombs, lots of strikeouts, and a butcher in the field which hopefully they won't have to play him in the field too much. Yeah.
0: I, w- I would assume he would DH there, correct? Yeah, you, you hope yeah. so. Yeah. All right. Takes us to the Dodgers, 106 wins last year. The books set them at 97 and a half, Tom. It, look, it's it's easy to look at what you have with the Dodgers, right? Bueller, Urias, Kershaw. Y- you go training Hudson. to. Crit- they pick up Kimbrell and a trade to, to close it out offensively. You add Freddie Freeman, you have Trey Turner, now full season, Justin Turner as well, there third, Taylor Bellinger, not to mention Mookie Betts in right. And uh, a lot of people are hoping that Gavin Lux now, with a chance to play every day, will will be the next guy in that offense. But look, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, Tom. 100 wins, yes? 100 wins, probably
1: closer to about 105. I worry about the staff getting big innings. I don't see big, big innings out of Kershaw out of Urias or out of Bueller, uh, Bellinger is, is a disaster right now, and he has been for a couple of years. The fall off is crazy, but it, none of it matters. None of it matters. The Dodgers could sleepwalk their way to 100 wins. Easy division winner. here.
0: 97.5 season win total. Safe bet. Yeah, I like the over. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. They didn't make my top three, Tom. Um, my first and second favorite overs are in the American League. We'll get to those here in a second, but we have the Dodgers uh winning the division. I have the Padres with the wild card. That would be my third wild card.
1: I'm looking for the third wild card, Tim. I had to choose between the Padres who were always the Padres. The Mets were always the Mets, or do I believe in San Francisco? I don't believe in San Fran. I'm looking at the Mets and Padres. And it was the Mets until the news of DeGrom going down. Um I I think I'm gonna go San Diego here with you, uh but I, I the Mets are so dangerous and they can go spend that. I still sort of want to take the Mets here, but it almost doesn't matter. They're going to be one and done. If, if, if the DeGrom news, look, if he's gone for the year, I mean, this is a terrible pick.
0: Okay. To represent the national league in the world series, is it LA or Milwaukee? Tommy?
1: Milwaukee Brewers. That pitching is one, two, three is the best in baseball, and I love the small improvements that they did. I like their bullpen better than the Dodgers. I like their starting pitching better than the Dodgers. Sure, the Dodgers can hit, but I like what Milwaukee's doing. I'm taking the Brewers.
0: I'm going to do what I normally do and copy you, Tommy. I like Milwaukee as well. I think, um, yeah, the, 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 I think that's that's going to be an unbelievable National League Championship Series. Actually, when we talk about it, so. Let's throw out real quickly. Uh, MVP, National League, Bryce Harper wins last year. Who you got this year? Willie Adamas. Look at his numbers Ooh. before
1: you laugh. Look at the number that you could go get 50 to 1 odds on him. I'm taking Willie Adamas. I, I think he is going to be the catalyst in Milwaukee. I love what he's done since he's left left the trop. You know, there are, there's arguments to be made about maybe a Bryce Harper, but I think it's very tough to do it twice in a row. I think the Dodgers knock each other out. San Diego doesn't really have that big bat. I think St. Louis with Goldschmidt and Arenado knock, even Tyler O'Neill knock each other out. Um, you know, a, a, maybe a Ronald Acuna, very potentially. He would be my second choice, but he's too much chalk, so I went with somebody crazy like Willie Do
0: I like Acuna. I took him last year, and that didn't work out for me. I'm going to go back to the well and take him. Uh, This year, when healthy, I think uh, we're going to see great seasons out of him and Soto. So I'm looking forward to those guys. Cy Young, Tom, I'll go first. Uh, I like a guy in Milwaukee, man. I like Burns. I think there's a lot of value there on him. But I think as as good as Woodruff is, I really like Corbin Burns better.
1: Yeah, I like Burns. I like Woodruff, Tim. I think that they cancel each other out. As a matter of fact, I'm, I was kind of leaning toward, towards Woodruff because he had such bad luck last year. He should have won 20 games. But the guy I'm going with is I'm going with Aaron Nola because I think that the two in Milwaukee kind of cancel each other out. I think that a couple of guys in the Dodgers could cancel each other out. And I know that Wheeler's there, but is a guy that is numbers. If if Philly wins that division like I think, Aaron Nola's taking the crown home. And I like the, the, the odds.
0: Let's shift over the American League. Tommy got about 15 minutes, so we'll have to speed through some of the, the garbage teams here to get to to the the meat and potatoes of the, of the American League. We'll start in the West. Rangers, A's. A uh, lot of losses there for these guys.
1: The A's actually have a lower team salary than Garrett Cole. Uh, that's the truth. It, yeah, A's will be in the 60s. Rangers might lose 100. I think that the Angels, the Rangers will be on top of them, actually. So I'll give you the... The the A's will be the last place team. Rangers will finish uh, maybe closer to 70 wins.
0: About the Seattle Mariners. So last year, uh, quietly, 90 wins, Tom. uh, I'd say a very successful year considering coming into what the season was going to be for them. What about now, 90 wins? You add Robbie Ray to that rotation. I don't know, man. I think when I look at the, the Mariners, I think they had a great run last year. What I think they're more of an 85 win team or a, even less.
1: Yeah. I don't believe in Robbie Ray. I don't love their bullpen. I think, uh, Kelnick is, is struggling, uh, Julio Rodriguez. If you like this guy, um, J-Rod coming up, uh, not Julio. if you like J-Rod coming up, lead the league in home runs, Tim, a thousand dollars makes you a hundred thousand dollars. just letting you know, if you mm-hmm. really believe that, but I think the Mariners are stupid. They're going to keep them down. I, I, Look, they won 90 last year. I think they're an 82-83 win.
0: All right, let's have some fun here. Every year you ask me, Tommy, what's up with my Los Angeles Angels, my Anaheim Angels? 77 last year, another uh, letdown, I guess. We, but What can you expect? Mike Trout out significant amount of time. And this is on top of Otani's MVP season. So this year, Otani, Noah Syndergaard, Thor, who penciled in, in the rotation coming off – basically not pitching because he was hurt. Uh, I still see a lot of question marks with the Angels in the rotation, Tommy. Offensively, though, we, we've talked about this privately. They're going to be able to score runs, you know, and that's especially with the continued development of Joe Adele now that he's going to play every day. Trouty back. Uh, Rendon healthy. Jared Walsh coming off a big season. The Angels are good enough to be, I think, in my opinion, they're good enough to be in the mix with Houston. And I think they can make the playoffs finally, Tom.
1: Yeah, you know, I had them making the playoffs last year. I put some money on them making the playoffs last year. They 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 fell just short. Uh, you know, I, I know I was saying early on, you know, there's going to be teams basically fighting for that wild card spot that are not 500 teams. The Angels would have been right in there right until the end. Um, you know, I, look, I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, how good are they? I don't think they're a 90 win team, Tim, but I think they're mm-hmm. over 500. Is that good enough to get to the longer? They're going to hit. I mean, they are going to absolutely smash the ball. I still don't believe in Syndergaard. I still don't believe in their pitching staff. I don't love their bullpen, or even though uh, you know Ryan there with and, and and you know what you have on the back end. Okay, it's okay. They're going to just have to slug their way. We're talking about you know the '90s Texas Rangers kind of way. They're going to have to slug their way. I think you could slug your way to 85 wins. Is that good enough for the playoffs? We'll
0: find out. Leaves Houston who last year. Won 95 games, and this year they're looking. The book set them at Tom 91, Verlander back, but question mark still in that rotation. McCullough's out, Valdez, you know, uh, Garcia Odorizzi was terrible last season, into the pen where you have Ryan Presley as your closer. But again, we're going to talk about runs in this division. Yes, Correa, uh, Correa gone. You still have Altuve, Bregman, Gurriel, Tucker, Alvarez all there. I think, they, I think the Astros are about a 90-91 win team. Thomas, good enough to win the division. You know, to me, Tim, I think that they're going to take a step back. Verlander mm-hmm.
1: won't get the workload. I don't love their pitching staff. I like the hitting, like you said, but uh, I think they're taking a step back. They won 95, and I think a lot of things went right for them last year. They were 51-30 at home, okay? Okay. I think they come back to that 87 or so win plateau, which means I think the Angels at what 85, 86 wins, they could be right there. Tim, I'm going with the Angels to win this division. I, I, I right. think they win maybe a game, maybe they win it with 86 wins. Right? I mean, it might be kind of years. I'm taking the Angels to win the division.
0: I love it. I love it, Tommy. But I'm taking the Astros to win the division, and I'm gonna hold off on my wild card because we're gonna get to the East in a minute. But uh, I like the Astros. I think. Just a slight step better than than Anaheim, but I like the, the way that the Angels are, are kind of tr- – they're trying to stay It's relevant there, Tommy. In the central, um, look, you got the Twins, you got the Royals, you got the Tigers, Indians – or Guardians, excuse me. Aren't, would you say they're all kind of in that group of about 75 to 80 wins?
1: Yeah, I think Cleveland takes a backslide. Um, I don't like what they've done, although I love uh, Shane Bieber there. Minnesota will be better than their 70 wins, but I don't think they get, you know, they're over 500 ba- barely. The Royals have a lot of potential. They can run, man. This team could run, run, run. They might have four guys that steal 30 base. I mean, that that's incredible. They, they're going to get right around 500. Detroit has a bright future. Riley Green going down kind of hurts them a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas city, and Minnesota were all within five games of 500, but I think, yeah, you're right. They're all grouped in with the White Sox. Clearly, on top. Lance Lynn going down for a month does hurt them, but not in this division. Any other division that would hurt. I love what the White Sox have. I like Eloy. I like Robert. I I, I absolutely love the hitting that this team has. The bullpen is fantastic. Graveman is now setting up, which is the underrated move. Uh, Dylan Cease, I expect to take that next level up. He might lead the league in strikeouts. The White Sox win this division. They won the division last year by 13 games. I think it's an insult to win this division by only 13 games. I think they win it by 15 plus.
0: Agreed. And, and that means we both have Chicago to win the, the uh, AL Central. No doubt about that. I 100% agree with you. And, and of course, look, even if the games are closed, Tommy, that bullpen is is excellent. You mentioned Grayman from Seattle. That was an excellent pickup. Joe Kelly is there. And Hendricks lights out when you get to that situation. So I want to save a bulk of the time we have left for the AL East because I think this is going to be the fun one look, the Orioles are the Orioles, Tommy, let's just get them out of the way. They're my boys. The number one farm system in baseball by a lot of experts. Can they get to 60 wins? That's the question. Yeah, they can. They, they, they
1: might be 60, 65 wins. They're in just a murderer's road division, obviously. Um, and But the future is massively bright, massively bright. So just keep saying that to yourself.
0: <laughs> All right, let's start it off. Let's look at Tampa. 100 wins last year. The books set them at 89 this year. It's about right, Tom. I think, as, as you know, they're they, they are, they're always going to be there the way they, they set themselves up, but this is probably the year where they take a step back. Yeah, I think they do. I, I
1: think losing Shane Boz for a couple of, of starts hurts them. Tampa Bay is not a team that can handle, you know, an injury here or there. You know, I, they have to kind of, everything has to click for them. They won 100 last year. I think they take a small step back. What does a small step back mean? You know, 93 wins or so, you know, a seven game knock on them is not a slight to Tampa Bay. I think they win 92, 93 games.
0: Boston, 92 wins last year, 85, the number four of the Sox, your hated Sox, Tommy. Where are we looking at Boston this year? I got them third in the division.
1: Yeah. You know, another team, they won 92 games last year. They're not going to have Chris Sale, who's banged up. I don't love the bullpen, even though bringing in Deakman was a great move. Uh, I like the addition of Trevor Story. Obviously, I like Trevor Story, but they lost a lot here, too. You know, you, you lose, we don't know what Chris Sale is going to be. Uh, you know, you lose Eduardo Rodriguez. Didn't have great numbers, but he was a consistent presence on that team. I, you know, I think the same thing with the Red Sox. I think they had a lot of nice additions, they had a lot of bad additions. I think they finished within a game of Tampa Bay.
0: Toronto. Uh- Fun story last year, watching Vlad run for the MVP, only fall short to, to show a 91 wins, barely missed the playoffs, Tom. This year in the offseason, they add Kevin Gaussman who had a big season in San Francisco. Berrios was a big pickup last year during the season. Ryu still there, solid innings eater. Bullpen worries me a little bit when I look at Toronto, but offensively, look, you got Vladdy. Matt Chapman comes over from the A's. Springer, you're looking for a bounce back, hopefully. Gariel can hit. A lot to like to watch when you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, 91 wins. I I think they they get over 91, and I think they can make the playoffs this year.
1: Tim, every square in the world is touting how great Toronto is this year, right? They love Toronto. They love the Blue Jays. Oh, they are all this talent. Forget a lot of their damage was done in Dunedin when they were playing in basically a little league park on the offensive Mm -hmm. side. They have plenty of talent, but those numbers were a little inflated, one of the reasons why I won Vladimir Guerrero, hitting the most home runs in the league. What people don't talk about is that Ryu looked bad at the end of the year. He's an integral part of this rotation. They lost the Cy Young winner. I I mean, everyone's going, well, Kevin Gossman came out. They lost the Cy Young award winner. As much as you might not believe in Robbie Wright, that's what they did. They won 91 games last year. They're young. They're hungry. Everybody loves them. Tim, I think that they take a little step back. I don't think you could lose a Cy Young Award winner when you have pitching problems and then not expect more pitching problems. Do I think that they're a, you know, a, a, an 82-win team? No, but I can see them looking up at Tampa Bay and Boston by a game or two.
0: Takes us to the Yanks. 92 wins last year, early exit in the playoffs. The books have them at 91.5, Tom. This is my biggest bet. of Season win totals like the Yankees over the 91 wins. I think... This Yankee team can get to 100 if everything goes the way it goes. Tommy, your thoughts? This is your team. You're the hardest critic. I got them winning the division, and I got them close to 100 wins.
1: Tim, it's funny. All I did was complain about them the whole offseason, and I got them winning the division by about a game. You know, I, I have them uh, with 93, maybe 94 wins, so by about a game. I don't like the offseason that they had because I don't like their playoff team, but I like their team. Look, they got a lefty bat. I think Rizzo is going to be much better. I think Gallo was a disaster with the Yankees, he's going to be much better. They have defensive center. They have Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo can play center field at any given moment. We know that. They're a better defensive team than they were last year. I think getting rid of Gary Sanchez was a good move. I don't like taking on the contract with Donaldson, but it was a good move. If we could get anything from Luis Severino, I mean, this team is built for that. And, you know, what they also have is a lot of depth. A lot of young guys, they can put them in. People forget how many injuries the Yankees had last year. They were dealing with a triple-A team. So I have the Yankees winning 94 games, Tampa at 93, Boston at 92, and Toronto at 89. Last year, nine games separated these four teams. This year, I think about five or six games separate.
0: I have the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Astros winning division. I have Boston, Toronto, Anaheim making the playoffs. And I have the Yanks knocking off the White Sox and the ALCS.
1: Oh, from your your lips to God's ears. Tim, I got all four American League teams, Tampa, Boston, Yankees, Toronto, all making the playoffs, the White Sox, and your Angels. And I have the White Sox going to the World Series. I just, you know, the Lance Lynn news bothers me a little bit. Okay, and I I started to get shaky ground with the Lance Lynn news and the idea that the Yankees are talking about, hey, we might still add something in midseason. It's the only thing that's throwing me off, but I can't get around this White Sox team. They have every single thing that you're looking for. They have star players, depth, big time bats. They can run. They have a bullpen. I think it's the White Sox
0: time. Well, I like Milwaukee to hoist that trophy, Tommy, for the first time in a long time. I love the pitching there. and I think they knock the Yankees out in the series. Well, that's who I have. Milwaukee over Chicago. I just you know how I am just uh,
1: you know a, a absolute sub for, for this this kind of pitching. The pitching is just unreal. I have already put my bet down on Milwaukee to win uh, the World Series. I think last year when the World Series ended, I said next year I'm just going with Milwaukee blindly. So this might be a blind play, but I got Milwaukee because that pitching is just. Phenomenal.
0: Cy Young, give me Garrett Cole to win it, time. I know the odds are low, but I think he's pushing 20 wins, if not. There's not a lot of Cy Young candidates
1: here, Tim. You know, you look at this and you go, who's, who's the guy that could kind of do it? Maybe it was Lance Lynn or Giolito, but they're going to knock each other off. I love Garrett Cole, but I still think that there's a Yankee bias in this world. And Garrett Cole deserved to win it last year. He didn't. Aaron Judge deserved to win the MVP a couple of years ago. He didn't. So I'm going to go with Shane Bieber, who I think just has a phenomenal bounce back year. I'm going with him, even though I think Cole has better numbers.
0: And in the MVP, Otani last year wins it. He's the favorite again this year. Trouty right behind him. Vladdy, who is is there, had a great season. Tom, let's go with my guy. Let's go with Trout. Bounce back from that injury. He has something to prove to put his name back up there. Give me Trout. Low odds, but I like him.
1: I think that Aaron Judge has a phenomenal season, but I think Mike Trout has one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen. I will call it now. I think Mike Trout very well may win the the Triple Crown. I I think he's going to be right there. To me, that is the kind of year we're going to see. We are going to be laughed at that we forgot who Mike Trout was. 120-something RBIs, 120-something runs, phenomenal numbers maybe his batting average doesn't get up to the 330 340 but you give me 310 120 120 and this is going to be the first year i think mike trout hits
0: 50. you like judge you can get him 20 to 1 to win the mvp though tom that that's great odds
1: listen he should have he should have won it over the 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 munchkin altuve he was cheating you know gary cole should have won it last year Derek jeter should have won an mvp they get robbed it's the anti Yankee bias i can't put money on what I know, look, Aaron Judge had the better year. And Miguel Andujar had a better year, let's just be honest, than Otani. Um, mm-hmm. Garrett Cole had a better year last year than Robbie Ray. They just don't give it to the New York Yankees.
0: That being said, Tommy, we are just stays away. It's going to be a fun, fun season as always. I think baseball is something that you and I, uh, if we didn't have this show and we were just friends, it would be always something to bond over because of the love of the game and I'm looking forward to it, but I look forward to a lot of things. That's including Tom Barton sports. I really look forward to the podcast. Good show today as well for you as always. And, and the YouTube, Tommy, let everybody know all about it because you, my friend are famous. Yeah. Uh, I am a YouTube star,
1: uh, my eight year old would love that. And he's been on it guys. Go check out Tom Barton sports over on YouTube, Tom I have a playoff for tomorrow's championship game. If you sign up, you're going to get the entire month of April. So you get my Thursday games, everything that we're doing over there. Go check out sportsgarden.com as well. Hashtag SGN. I'm going to probably be on Outkick tomorrow with the guys. So that's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, Tim, lots going on, but I am pumped up. By the way, there might not be a better bet than the Cardinals beating the Pirates on Thursday. Last year, Wainwright faced them four times. He's 4-0. He allowed one solo home run in 30 innings to Horde. To Gregory Blanco, he's not on the team.
0: For Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, special thanks to Ryan back in the studio. We all be back next Sunday. Nights are on Saturdays. We'll be back Sunday, 10 o'clock, right here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Heatwave Sports. Let's talk to you then.